0: And we're live!
1: Yay! Hello and welcome, everyone, to another edition of Strong Tea, uh, where we talk openly and learn more about the topics that can be a little bit difficult to talk about, or even a little bit taboo. And we do it all over a cuppa. So I'm Vicky Layton, one of the co-hosts from Layton Life Coaching.
2: I'm Katie Russell, uh, one of the other co-hosts uh, from Strong and Brave. And today we are super lucky to have the lovely cares with us. Now, obviously, before we start chatting, the number one important question here is what tea are you drinking? Or you might not be drinking tea, but what are you drinking, Kez? As our guest, tell us. I'm drinking Yorkshire Tea's Toast and Jam Tea. (gasps) Oh, what's that? what? It
3: is is their flavoured tea that apparently tastes of toast and jam. And I have to say it's pretty epic not too sure about whether or not it tastes the toast but it definitely tastes a jam and it's actually really lovely <laughs> you've
1: just blown my mind and changed my
2: world
3: what really flavor amazing. jam is it well i'd sort of say a bit strawberry a bit raspberry nice um, sort of that combination it smells gorgeous um, and i'm not a fan of fruit teas generally speaking they smell lovely and taste like well
2: dish soap um
3: <laughs> but this actually <laughs> tastes really nice that
2: sounds amazing i'm gonna have to i i've I already said to Vicky, I've got so many teas. She introduced me to Yorkshire Gold and I have boxes and boxes of Yorkshire now. Decaf, regular, Yorkshire Gold. Now I'm going to have to buy a Toast and Jam one. Yeah, Yeah.
3: sorry. I
1: thought the pinnacle was Yorkshire Gold, but now you've just blown that boundary. Yeah, Yeah.
3: it's my treat tea.
1: Amazing.
2: Treat yourself. Vicky, have you got anything nearly as exciting?
1: A little different. So I've got vanilla chai. I know. Oh, I like that. It's very festive and yeah, it's it's nice. It's a good tea, but it's it's no Yorkshire Gold or yeah, jam and toast. Blimey. What about you, Katie?
2: Well, I've just gone for Yorkshire Gold, but I have gone for, for almost a bucket of it today. And I'm using an afternoon cup mug in the morning. So, you know, really pushing the boundaries of what's cloud in tea drinking right now. So uh, you really needed that way. With-
3: just to ask though, who's got a backup cup of tea as well?
2: Oh, you definitely prepared. Came- yeah. double parked you've obviously seen how long these chats go on for <laughs> <laughs> well we're really chuffed that you've joined us today Kez um really appreciate um what you've come to discuss um which is of course surviving mental breakdown um, appreciate that it's not an easy conversation to have all the time but we really appreciate you taking the time to come on here talk to us and in turn educate others so uh, with that um can you tell us your story Okay. Um, well, hopefully it will help some people. That would be that would be lovely. Um,
3: So about seven years ago now, I guess it is um, working in a a job, quite frankly, that that I loved. Uh, I work in higher education and and it's a it's a great place to work. A little bit crazy, but, you know, so are a lot of jobs Um, and was involved in quite a big um, project across the entire university at the time um, that gradually became over the course of time for a variety of circumstances, um, additional workload, um, a particularly challenging project. That meant that um, because of the way that it was supported at a senior level, um, I became the the unintentional face of a project that was impacting on a lot of staff and it wasn't very popular. Um, and that, that led to a variety of things that so, A, overwork, Um, of which there was a ton. It got to the point where, you know, a 14, 15 hour day was quite normal. Um, A huge amount of pressure because I felt obligated to try and protect the staff that were impacted by this project, because we'd started the the project with a, a brief of improvement. And as it had gone along, that brief had changed to cost saving. And therefore, there became obviously a redundancy thread running through it. Um, and you look back on things with wiser eyes and you realise, you know, why some of the senior staff acted like they did and, and so on and so forth. But at the time, you don't see that, you know, you're right in it. You feel literally that you are stuck between a rock and a hard place. You have no support at the top. You are overworked. You're doing your absolute very best to, to, to cope and to deliver. Um, it, we were a, a two person in effect leadership team myself and and another lady that I work quite closely with. Um, and things really started to go downhill when she was unavailable to the project um, due to a, a bereavement. Now, you know, that is not something that you would want anybody to have to to go through ever she lo- she lost her her partner under under very quick circumstances um but what it then did was because I'd always been um, and, and still am capable competent or step up to the to the plate
2: mm-hmm.
3: um the university just went well you can handle her load as well as your own okay did they, then
2: did they give you any sort of choice or was it just like
3: either? no it was just assumed here you go
2: right
3: here you go you, you'll take on her load as well as as well as your own and we were already between the pair of us struggling I mean it wasn't yeah. like we weren't both doing an eight hour day we were both doing a 14 15 hour day um as things started to roll on the project forward and what was going to happen to staff became more more socialized with the wider university you then started to get the i'd I'd like to say unintentional bullying i I would uh, but in truth some of it was and some of it undoubtedly wasn't Um, Some of it, people knew exactly what they were doing. You don't shove someone in the corridor and call them a name. Good grace. And not know what you're doing. Um, You may not realize the impact, but you do know what you're doing. And it was, it was, it was things like that that were really quite blatant. And then it was Mm -hmm. the subtle, the why are you doing this? You you recruited me to this job, you're letting me down. I thought you were a better manager. I thought you were always going to look after us because that's what you'd always done. And, and in fairness, a large number of these people, 80 or so, I'd recruited. They were my team. I'd been seconded to this project. These people belonged to me. Um, and I've always been the type of manager that cared for the staff. You know, firm but fair, as they say. If you mm-hmm. if you did your job, I would protect you to the end of the year. If you didn't, I'd call you on it and then support you to make sure you could do it better. And those types of things were actually more hurtful than the being shoved up against the corridor or being spat at or things like that all of which actually happened
0: okay oh,
3: and the reality is again you look back with wiser eyes well I do and, and I hope that you know other people who've come through it have what I feel I have which is I've learned some things about myself and I've learned some things about what I should do and if I ever end up in that situation again what I would I hope do but I should have called out for assistance at that point, when, when the bullying started to really become an issue on top of everything else. I should have said, actually, no, enough is enough. But the reality was there, was there was a combination of circumstances that meant that I didn't at that point. One was personal pride. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't do this job on my own anymore because I've never had that. I'd never faced that, I've always been lucky you know I've always been able to do able to find a way you know and and that was that wasn't something even from a small child that wasn't that achievement and not being able to actually be successful by whatever benchmark you choose to ridiculously define that um, wasn't something I really had a space in my head to accept um so I knew for me that was well I'm going to fail if I admit that I need help that's failure and I don't fail that's not what I do
2: Did, did you feel like that if you hadn't have been that sort of personality that they would have been open and accepting to you approaching them anyway and saying look I'm struggling can I have some help
3: I suspect not because the reality of it was when I did finally get to the point where I made a whimper and, and at that point, it was a whimper because that was all I was really mm. capable of doing. Um, there wasn't. Now, again, you look back and you think, and you try to be reasonable and you think, you know, HR in every place I've ever worked, are always under-resourced and overworked themselves. Um, it's mental health is is much less taboo now than it was even that short number of years ago that wasn't something that was really hugely recognized they were only starting to put in provision for Mm -hmm. looking after the mental health of staff in a in a in a wider way Mm -hmm. and I suspect again there might have been a little bit of we cannot admit that that the person that we've got here doing all the work on this project is actually going to fall apart because we've made it so unreasonable you know so if we just Ignore it, she'll do what she's always done, which is, she'll handle it, it'll be Mm. all right. Um, And the reality of it was, it wasn't. Um, And it got to the point where I couldn't sleep. I was comfort eating. I couldn't, I mean, I literally couldn't go to any of the, the, the cafeterias or the outlets because I didn't feel safe walking around the place um it it just become I I would sit in the car or stand in the lift when the doors open and physically struggle to get my body to walk out to face the day you know and and it it felt like a disconnect it was almost like my brain was going come on we've still got to do it we still got to do it my body's going on your own love Mm. um and then one day, um, we'd had a particularly difficult um, senior stakeholder um, who was creating um, a fuss against a, a, a project rule that had been signed off at the senior level that this was the way it was going to be approached. Um, give me a hard time. Um, I'd gone to uh, the, the senior team and said, look, I can, I can stand the line here but I need to know that if I do, I know what will happen. This individual will come to you and make a fuss. Are you going to back me or are you going to back down? Because if you're going to back down, there's no point in me fighting it now. We might just as well give in and have a, a nice easy day. No, 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 that's what we agreed. You, you stand the line. So I did, and 20 minutes later, an email came in, in response to her, copied to me, saying that I had made a mistake, and of course we would bend the walls. And that was the the point at which things started to unravel for me. So I sat in the toilet and I'm not ashamed to admit, I cried. And then I pulled my big girl panties up and went, right, come on, you can still do it. You can still do it. That afternoon had a meeting with this particular individual who actually is a really nice person, person to person. Mm -hmm. and, again, is driven to protect their team. That's that's what they were doing. They were fighting for their their area. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Walked into the meeting. They looked at me, went, oh, my God, you look awful. Are you all right? And that was all she wrote. I don't remember being taken home. I don't remember anything after that. I remember that moment, like I can run it on film behind my eyes but after that got nothing absolutely nothing apparently um I had an absolutely massive panic attack um they had to call first aid um, to try and get me because I'm also quite badly asthmatic so that's not a good a good combination I had to call first aid called a, a a local paramedic crew came in, um, got me okay, um, and then had um, a colleague from work who, as it happens, um, I'm I'm very close with, um, was then, and and even more so now, to bring me home. Um, Interestingly, and I didn't discover this until quite some time, afterwards my husband actually works at the same place Um, and I'd always vaguely wondered why he hadn't brought me home after the event not um he didn't know because he was teaching at the time and they decided it would be better not to interrupt oh my goodness so my colleague sat with me for the whole afternoon until my husband got home to take over And I literally, according to her, sat on the couch in complete silence, just staring into nothing.
2: And you've got no recollection of anything. No recollection of it
3: at all. Nothing. I I don't, the brain's a wonderful and weird thing, and I don't know whether that's just blanked because it literally did just shut down. That was what it was. All the lights went out. Or whether it's just wrapped it up, cotton wool and refused to let me see it because actually that was part of what was needed to 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 move forward who who knows Mm -hmm. but no it's it i've got no clue at all all i know about it is what i have been told Um, How did you feel
1: afterwards because obviously it with the panic attack and things like that it can leave you feeling exhausted but if you've got no memory of that and then you're at home, i mean how how are you feeling
3: oh i absolutely i mean for, for for a long time afterwards just getting out of bed was was a challenge. You know, the the whole physicality of doing anything was a challenge, and it's hard to say whether that was was a mental response or a, a physical response driven by you know anybody who's asthmatic knows you have a bad asthma attack. It can actually the, the side effects of that can last several days, if not longer, before you fully get back all that oxygen that you that you lost. Um, But the following day, went in effect, went to bed, woke up, got up. And then we realised all the other things that had been broken. So, I mean, aside from the crying, which just seemed to be constant and and at a drop of a hat, um, there was the stutter. So I'd actually developed literally overnight a really really bad stutter now I wasn't a stutterer as a child it's not something that had in effect resurrected under pressure I'd got a stutter um and if I had to talk about anything related to to what had happened the the the, the project or, or or what had had come up to the point where all the lights went out it got so bad I could I couldn't coherently form a sentence because you literally, I just literally couldn't get the words out. Um, and it took months and months of, of practice and hard work to stop that. Um, and even now, years later, there are words I still can't say. Um, and if I'm particularly anxious about something, I don't stutter but I can feel it mm. there in the background if that if that makes any sense I can it's just almost it's almost there ready to to start again um, and that's you know that's a permanent side effect um,
1: so when so- after you had the um, breakdown and obviously there were all these things coming off did you go to the doctors and they yeah. did they forewarn you that of the potential things that could have come so out of this. My hus-
3: husband took me to the doctor the following day um, because I was in obviously such a state. Uh, our, I, we're really lucky. Our doctor's lovely. Um, I, you know, I don't have enough, uh, enough praise for, for the NHS in general, but our local surgery is wonderful. Um, so I was very lucky. He immediately wanted to put me on um, some medication. Interestingly, that was the one thing I was adamant I wasn't going to do. It, and it was the thing I had, it was the thing I felt I think I could control. I can say, I can't control anything else at the minute. Everything else is just a swirling rollstorm of of,
0: mm.
3: of colors and darkness and, and everything else. That I can say I don't want, or I do want,
0: mm.
3: and I don't want it. I don't want medication.
2: I probably should have had medication. Did, you, did your husband feel that was the right, like, you know, as a sort of couple, did he sort of say to you, do you, actually, have you really thought about this? Do you think it's something you might or were you just like, no, do you know what?
3: No, I was I was very much no. And, and to be fair, my husband, James, is an absolute darling. He's known me a very long time, recognises the tone, <laughs> uh, <I don't> Argue. <laughs> recognises when this is something we might be able to discuss and when it's not. And also at the time, as he said, made the, the judgment call that arguing with me over it would have actually been worse. Right. Than, because of where I was, because of of the state that I was in, I wasn't rationally able to talk about having a cup of tea. You know, that could have been enough to set me off weeping over this cup of tea. Thank you very much. You're so wonderful. Everybody's so lovely. Why am I so pathetic? All of that type of right
2: and you Um, just find all those things just sort of every little thing would just spiral into
3: and i guess the way that i would describe it is i think the way that that i've always coped and and i've always been very good at compartmentalizing and saying right okay you know you, you divvy this up and you deal with x and this bad stuff this goes over here in a room and we shut the door and then we don't have to worry about it ever ever again and I've done that. I look back now and recognize probably my whole life, but certainly mm. all of my adult life. You know, anybody that had known me up to that point would basically have asked to describe me have gone, well, she's the person you want on your side in a crisis. Capable, calm, turn a hand to anything um, with the exception of, you know, anything that involves coordination, cause that sucks. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Left and right, alien concept. Um, and what I, well, what has happened, it, whether it happened then or whether that was the start and, and as I would, that no longer exists. Yeah. I can't do that anymore. That there, there's no, it's a really odd feeling even, and I've adjusted to it, but there's, there's nothing there that I can do that with. There's no room. There's no door. I can't package up that anxiety that might come from doing something new or because there's nowhere to put it anymore. And I think what probably happened was that door just burst open and everything came out. Mm, it, right. the, the whole nine yards um, all at once. Um, and, and then it's just, it, in my head, everything was moving, yeah. I, I guess is the best way of describing it. There, there wasn't anywhere where I could get a purchase on who I felt I was because who I felt I was wasn't there
0: right
3: anymore. That sense of, of who I believed I was, the person that would always cope, the person mm. that could always turn their hand, it, it had just lights gone, disappeared. Da, da, da. So there was a
1: pre-mental breakdown cares and then a post-mental breakdown cares Yeah.
3: Yeah, there absolutely, there absolutely is. Mm. And some of some of the old is still here. I mean I've still got the same loony sense of humor. I still like all the same um things um all of that is still there
0: Mm.
3: but the fundamental bits that are associated with i guess the face i presented to the world Mm. that's much much different that's much different Mm.
0: Um,
3: and and it has to be because i don't have that capability anymore and i've needed to adjust to what i can and what i can't do and also what i want to do actually I don't know it's a, a funny thing to say and I and I feel very lucky to be able to say it because I appreciate there are an awful lot of people who come through a mental breakdown or serious depression and and don't end up where I feel I am um and I think that's absolutely tragic because I've been so lucky um but I sort of feel like it might have been for the best because I'm happier now
0: mm.
3: than, than I remember being for years, you know,
0: mm.
3: I, I, I love my husband. I'd have said I love my life, but the reality is now I look back, I love my husband and I love my life, but I wasn't happy. Right. It, it, you know, work was miserable everything was always the person that has to do it always the person that had to cope always the person that can't say no um I love the word no I'm a big fan (laughs) should have discovered that a long time ago um but I've had to learn to use it in order to Mm. to recover and to stay recovered
2: do you feel more empowered when you use the word no now rather than guilty because a lot of people when they say no to something especially if someone you know can you help me with this? Or can you, can you take on this extra workload? We'll feel guilty. But do you find it much more easier now because you're sort of saying, I'm protecting myself? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm protecting myself, but I'm also, I feel that I'm also, I'm doing what I should do to help the people that I love.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: my husband, my friends, the people that were worried to death about me. Back then, that saying no is not just about what it does for me, but it's also about saying thank you to them, yeah, for what they did for me. Because if I just keep on going, yeah, I'm going to be right back where I started, Mm -hmm. and and all that support and all that effort and all that that love Mm -hmm. that I didn't really see at the time because I was too immersed in in how awful everything was and and how hard it was to fight to, to to Get me back
0: hmm.
3: was wasted, and and I wouldn't want to do that, and and that's me that wouldn't want to do that. That's not me thinking. Oh, society says I should work harder, or society hmm. says I should be this, or the job says I should be that. That's me going. No, for me that's important. For, for who I am in here, that's that's important. I find but it that-
1: quite interesting with the because obviously the saying no and solidifying those kind of personal and professional boundaries and now obviously you know I'd love to go back and ask more questions about yeah, yeah, yeah. what actually happened but what I find interesting is that you've you've gone back into something that's quite hectic in your mm-hmm. career how I guess I'll just say how and why after your experience
3: well interestingly I, as I said right you know I love HE I love, I, I love it, it, it it's a it's a crazy world. Anybody that works in it will probably say the same. It's nuts. Um, but I I I had a I had a, a great childhood. I was always encouraged. I had I loved school. I had a fabulous time at university. You know, I was one of those lucky kids. And I work in H E and I look at at the at the young, I mean we're supposed to call them young adults now, not kids, but frankly, I'm old enough. I do call them kids. <laughs> it could be my kids They <laughs> have cats instead just saying you're not suited to being a parent um but I look at them and I think why wouldn't you want them to have what you had why wouldn't you what just the the, the knowledge at the end of every day that I've come home and could have made a difference to somebody at 18 or 19 or 20 mm. that will will carry them through the rest of their lives. They may not even remember 10 years from now what it was we did or said, but you know, that sets them on the path to being what they want to be and doing what they want to do. And, and particularly, you, know, you, you see kids at all levels coming through to university, but, but particularly in some of the, the, the post-92s where, where they're coming in with, with lower qualifications. They've, they've struggled to get where they are you know, in some of these, this is the first time anybody might have said, you can do it. Well done. You're going to be good enough. Or actually, you know what? Good enough is good enough. Do what you want to do. Don't do what somebody else says you have to do. If you want to do psychology and your mum wants you to do medicine, yeah. What are you going to love for the rest of your life?
0: Rock and roll. Let's do
3: it. That is why I went back. Because actually, you see that every day. And, mm. and I love that. It, I just, I just do. I can't even properly articulate it. Just do. And you see so many people around you in university that feel the same. And, and that's it. It's that whole, you know, they, they don't necessarily get the best rep in, in public, but actually 99% of the people are there because they want those young adults, those, and some of them really are kids when they come in, to grow up and have a future, whatever they choose that future to be want to help get them there get them on the road
1: it's amazing I love your passion for so, it and the fact so that that's the reason why you went that's back I went and back
3: the... and and, yeah. and I've got a skill set that helps with that mm. you know um and the the being able to say no I mean I got a lot of counselling I mean you know it I didn't go from hey I have a stutter and I can barely feed myself anymore through to right I'm, I'm, I'm back on site and we're you know let's do it. it it wasn't anything like that it was months and months of effort I, I had an amazing counsellor um, and that's probably one of the things I would say to anybody get, get counselling if you possibly can and I know we hear on the news all the time now about how hard it is to get in but if you can
2: do. But would you say would you say as more of a preventative?
3: Well, yes, because actually I think if I had if I had been able to access that pre, I would not have ended up where I was. And, and, and actually, I'm convinced about that. That's that's not even I think that's I'm absolutely convinced I would not have ended up where I was because. Even afterwards, what the counsellor enabled me to do was talk about things that I wouldn't have talked about to anybody else, that I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have felt comfortable. I wouldn't have felt safe. But I don't mean safe as 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 other words, I'd have felt in danger. I just mean emotionally safe. Yeah. If, if, if that makes any sense. Um and and you know, I mean, my I was lucky I got into counselling pretty much straight away because mm. the, the doctor was so concerned he thought I might be a suicide risk. And in truth I wasn't, but I could looking back completely see. Why you might think that because I was inarticulate, I couldn't I, I was non-functional really you know um
1: could you tell us a bit more about that sorry I, yeah no, no, that's fine I think it's important to kind of really understand the physical as well as the mental effects of having a mental breakdown because I think a lot of people don't I know I certainly don't know a lot about it so obviously you, you develop the stutter but what what, what else happened
3: it's really hard to describe and you hear all sorts of people describe it differently according to them and and for me way back in the day came from a veterinary background so most of my analogies eventually come back to to animals of some type it was like all the dogs were barking all of them you couldn't there was just a cacophony of noise inside my head and in that noise I couldn't hear even myself Think or scream or or anything. There wasn't there wasn't a thing to get hold of, and, and it just felt like there was just so much noise, just all the time. And it wasn't it wasn't oh that's a recognizable noise about this and that's a rec. It was just just sound just inside my head all the time Um, and I mean I can completely understand why people might just say that's it I can't I I just want this to stop Mm -hmm. and and not because because you do but because you can't even think about anything else other than please make this stop Um, and I think there was just I was lucky I think there was just enough of me left to make that decision about no I don't want meds and cling to that and then that got me to the counselling session with the no well if I if I don't want meds I I have to get counselling I have to get counselling I have to I have to I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this to hold on to um and my counsellor was was amazing i mean i i don't know if anybody's ever had they, they give you a form to fill in well oh, that's great because i could barely hold a pencil never mind filling form it's like well this is lovely what does all this mean These all these words <laughs> I don't um and and that's part of i think why they do it now i look back because where you are they can grade that against all the questions they're asking you so you know we work through all the questions and and the thing that he then said, he he said at the end, almost when he was signing me off um, was, I knew you would be one of the ones that would eventually be okay. And I'm like, well, how? He said, Mm -hmm. because do you not remember telling me when I asked you, do you want to end it all? You looking at me and going, why are you asking me such a stupid question? And he said, and it was the one thing in that entire session that you said without stutter.
1: Wow. And I don't
3: remember that either. But that was obviously the little bit of me clinging to that. No, I'm not taking meds. No, I'm not. Were
2: you Were yeah. you aware of... Um, I don't know how to word it, were you aware of a desire to try and fix yourself? Were you trying, were you you just sort of like, you know, I I, I can't survive like this now, I have to try and make myself better?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or was it
2: just a sort of fusion of, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, people are pushing me towards that, so I'll go in that direction?
3: I think for the first, certainly for the first few weeks, it was more being directed by somebody else. Right. A, a path of recovery i don't think i was or at least consciously anyway that i can remember well enough yeah to be making those decisions on my own but i do remember then it being a point where that transitioned into actually no hold on oh, this is this is horrible and i don't i don't like this and i don't want this to continue so i have to get i have to get on the bus here and yeah and and help myself to get better to identify what what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do and and it's interesting because the only words I really have to describe it are get better but I'm not sure that that's actually what I did Mm -hmm. because I don't because you define better against what you know, the only baseline I've got to define better against is what I was beforehand.
2: Mm. And I don't
3: actually think that was better. No, I think that was sicker
2: mm.
3: than than afterwards. You know, who I am now is better than who I was before I had the breakdown, mm. if that makes any sense at all. Um, and And that journey, I mean, I did some things that people thought were why are you doing this to yourself during that journey I went back to work to the place where it had happened I didn't want to truth didn't want to but by then I'd recovered enough of of who I felt I was who I've always that that bit of you that's you however you you know you describe it your soul or your id or whatever depending on, on where you come from I'd recovered enough of that to go, if I do not do this, I will regret it.
0: Mm-hmm. I
3: will feel that it beat me. And I cannot let it beat me because if I let it beat me, I won't get better. Mm, right. That, that was it. And I'm not ashamed to me three goes to get back into work. Went in three times and bottled it. Um, but eventually got in, and and that they were brilliant about post breakdown, they were amazing.
2: Mm. Ironic,
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were amazing. Um, but what was interesting was coming back, and and even given aside that the reason I went in was to prove to myself that I could, and actually I'd probably have been quite happy to just walk in, sit there for the day, go home, and go yeah I've done it now. As it transpires, I actually stayed went back in every day and did little bits of of work um but part of the reason i did that was because that day that i eventually got into the into the office was to discover that they'd replaced me with five other people and at which point you think to yourself actually you know what yeah okay that wasn't my fault
1: it's almost the evidence yeah
3: it was right there sitting in front of you Mm um so it, that is not something that I would necessarily be saying to everybody is the right advice for them because no, I was going to say
1: about that because of the trauma is
3: yeah th- I you think know, that's a very the, personal choice
1: yeah was it the trauma of the place uh, or as you said it, in before it's the attrition it's the build-up that then you know mm. that the instant snaps so first of all I think that was really brave you going back into where it all happened because that that post-traumatic stress could have been triggered again going
3: back Yeah, yeah it could be. My counsellor didn't want me to. My doctor didn't either. And I'm fairly sure, in truth, mm. neither did my husband. Mm. Um, but, again, he knows me well enough to know that I'm not good at being told no. <laughs>
2: Did you find it sounded obviously like, like you said, it was quite a long process from when you started off with that doctor and then right into therapy and then to the point where he signed you off? Do you feel that there was one moment where you actually thought it was like a, a light bulb where you thought, do you know what, I'm going to be okay? Or do you really feel like it was a very gradual process where you eventually came to that realization?
3: actually funny enough both because it wasn't it wasn't a a light bulb turning moment to not okay okay Mm -hmm. but the point at which I I clearly remember a highlight moment of it was such a big step forward that that it, it, it represented that light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing it, it, it was which was the first time I got through a session with my counsellor without a stutter wow that that was you know that was it we had a half an hour session and I didn't stutter now that's not to say I didn't go out of the door that day and stutter halfway through the day because I did you know I mean I could you can never quite I could never quite predict what I would and wouldn't be able to say. It wasn't that I only stuttered when we talked about work or mental health or what had happened and 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 worked through some of the reasons why why I ended up where I had and not coped or what I needed to do to cope. It wasn't it wasn't always linked to any of that. It could be what 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 would you like for dinner? Yeah. You know, it it just um And interestingly, we're having this conversation and and, and I am comfortable having this conversation. I think people should talk about mental health I actually think it's good for your mental health to talk about mental health. Yeah. But as I said earlier about sometimes you can feel it, it's not quite here, but I can feel it and I can. Yeah, it's it's just there under the skin, just going, just be careful. You're you know, you might be you're all right, but you might be pressing on some things that may gonna make you a bit anxious and and so on and so forth. Um, so that's not that's not in any way to say that I'm uncomfortable doing what we're doing, because I am comfortable, yeah. but you you it's 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 not gone. It won't mm, ever yeah. grow. Did I you have, have that before? No, or is no, that
1: one of no. no the
3: stutter was was completely I didn't stutter as a child, I'd never stuttered.
1: And the uh, anxiety, did you feel the anxiety before? Oh, the anxiety.
3: Happened? No, no, n- not oh at all. God. Um I was, you know, t- I, I was one of those people that everybody tends to go, oh for God's sake, just, do you not ever worry about anything or feel underconfident about anything? You know, there was a lot of things I wasn't going to do. I'm not going to parachute. Why would you? Could die. You know, but
2: not because <laughs> I was worried about dying, because it's like the principal think, thing to do. I'm not <laughs> doing that. you know,
3: I don't go in the water because of sharks. But, you know, it, it, those are silly things. But the, the can we do this? Well, yeah, of course we can. Let's find a way to do it. I wouldn't even have hesitated. There wouldn't have been a doubt. There would have been, right, let's find a way to make it work. And that emergence of doubt is the thing that I've had to work the hardest. Once, once we got over the, that initial everything in my head is screaming and barking and, and just and we started to get techniques in place to help to focus and to, to start to bring all that back down and, and and into a level where you can you can work around it and deal with it and, and work through each bit and put it away and, and and so on and so forth. The hardest thing to learn to live with has been the anxiety. Mm. It, it has because that's that's a lasting side effect. I don't deal with situations, stressful situations. Or actually, not even necessarily stressful situations, because in a crisis, I'm actually quite good still. I don't hesitate. I don't. Right, let's. Da-da-da. I might have a panic attack after we're done, but that goes forward. But but general things. So you know, last weekend, case in point, quite a lot of life maintenance stuff to do. You know, laundry, cooking, getting the house clean doing all sets of stuff, not anything that was going to be the end of the world if it didn't get done on Saturday. Really, just not got enough clothes, didn't need to do laundry, could have just forgotten about it. But by the end of the day, I was twitching because I hadn't been able to just do it all and, and then it builds up and then you start mm-hmm. to think. And I still do the thing, like I say, we're seven years on now, I still do the exercises that my counselor and I worked out helped the most because one of the things he said is everybody has a different one that really works for them. And, you know, we worked through quite a number before we found the one that, that worked the best for me. I still do that every morning.
1: Would you mind sharing that?
3: Yeah, it's really simple for me. It's, it's literally a, it's a breathing exercise. And I think it probably helps because I'm used to working with my asthma for breathing. It is literally breathe in for the count of five, breathe out for the count of six. And you concentrate on the breath and the count and you concentrate on the exhale and the count. And you don't think about anything else. And you use that as a way to focus and you focus on breathe in, breathe out. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six.
1: I'm
3: actually doing it, so I'm a bit lost. Yeah, but but you, you, and the reason he said, carry on doing it, once, when, I mean, and it took a lot of practice to get, in, to get to the point where actually that did what it was supposed to do, which was it, it, it concentrated focus on a single thing and allowed all of the extraneous noise to stop or to be, to be diminished because you got your focus on something which allowed you to regain control. That, that, was, that was, I think, the aim. Um, and that's what it does for me. He, and one of the things I remember him saying, and he's absolutely right, is do not stop doing these. Please do not stop doing these. You may feel fine. You may feel you never need them again. But when you do need them, you want to be able to have practiced it so that it's second nature. And he's absolutely right. He is absolutely right. Because back at the beginning, we could have done that for 20 minutes in a session before I wasn't shaking now, if I start to feel anxious, I can do that three times.
0: Mm.
3: And, and I guess what that is is that's that's the equivalent of muscle memory. you know it's oh, okay, doing this means this. Oh yeah, so it does. Um, and it, it it's reinforcing. And I, I mean he, I can remember a couple of others that he'd said that just didn't work for me. there was there was one we, we tried which was, opening a door and stepping through onto a beach and walking along the beach not really going to work because you know beaches who um and sharks and sharks well sharks yes I mean and that 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 lesser known land shark got to be careful (laughs) but (laughs) what's for that I guess
2: all dangers yeah
3: um but for me that was too distracting actually that 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 picture and create the picture and create the beach and, and actually then there's too much there was too much in there for me, it, it didn't work as a distraction. Um, and then there was the the square breathing, so a similar thing, but you you breathe around the corners of a square. So so many, so many, so many, so many. Yeah, funnily enough, that required a level of coordination that I can't do. <laughs> it was more
1: of a kind of zigzaggy pattern than a square.
3: <laughs> hold on, hold on. Can you want me to breathe and breathe and visualize a square? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, not getting
2: that. You provide the square, I'll yeah. count around it. Yeah. <laughs> How many sides of the square I got? I just, I, I want to sort of um see because I suppose I'm quite conscious if there's people watching this that might either be, you know, have people in their life who are incredibly stressed and they're concerned for their mental well-being or people who might be watching or listening to this that you know themselves feel under incredible pressure when you look back now I know it's easier to say when you like you say you look back on things and you see it differently could you see it coming what you know were there clear warning signs red flags that you actually thought do you know what yeah this is this is something I need to deal with now to stop it going further yeah and, and
3: it is I would say for me it's very much looking back and going I should have at the time I think I'm wherever the point was where it went from being something that wasn't going to be inevitable to being inevitable I missed it and I can't really identify it now for myself you can look at that picture and you can see well maybe you should have done that maybe you should have done this but that one single point where it tipped over from being recoverable to unrecoverable no I can't identify that per se but I think probably the thing I would say and the thing that I can't say I regret not doing it because because I couldn't do it if you see what I mean so but the thing that if you are in a position where you are not sleeping you are overwhelmed and it doesn't matter if you're looking at other people and going but they seem to be coping yeah they're probably not you know Because everybody would have looked at me up until that day I fell down and they had to take me home. Practically comatose, as far as my brain was concerned. Everybody I worked with would have said that I was coping. Everybody. It was a surprise. There are a number of people that said when, you know, I I staggered back in and and started, you know, talking to people again, we had no idea. You always seem so together. You always seem so on top of everything. So don't look at other people and judge yourself by them because they may be a me, just a bit better at hiding it, just a bit better or a bit further behind you, or maybe even a bit further ahead of you on that slope towards just going pop, mm-hmm. you know, judge by you, you're not sleeping, you dread going into work or you dread doing whatever it is that, that that's a source of stress you're you're doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing that you know I don't need to eat three chocolate bars a day just to make myself feel better because I'm worried about this or stressed about that that tightness in your chest that that you can't you can't get rid of because it it just everything inside you is just
0: mm.
3: like that and hanging on for grim death to try not to fall apart you start to think when you start to think any sorts of dark thoughts, please, please speak to someone. It doesn't matter who it is. Speak to the damn postman, you know, someone, Um, because actually talking to someone is, is the thing I regret not doing, actually not shouting louder and saying, I can't do this. I need help. And we all need help at some point for, for, you know, I can put up a shelf, I need help with that. Why is the mental health any different?
2: It's because it's, it's seen as a weakness, isn't it? It's, yes. it's so stigmatised that, like you said, you, would, you didn't want to put your hand up and say, I need help because yes. you thought it would make you appear weak. Yes. And actually, I think it takes a great deal more strength to yes. actually say. It, it
3: genuinely does. It genuinely does. And interestingly, possibly because of the fields in which I work, And they've come on, they've got a long way to go, but they've come on a long way in the last six or seven years. And because they're dealing with a lot of young people who are under tremendous mental stress now with everything that they have to to cope with, there's a lot more in place. And and I think one of the things that even just the other day, um, working with a new client at the minute on a new contract um, and... You, you get scoped into the university newsletters. The moment you've got an email, you start getting the university-wide newsletters, even if they're not applicable to you because you're actually an external member of staff. You get them, it's just the way that it, that it happens. Um, and in the bottom of it, obviously there's a lot going on about COVID, you still got a lot of staff offsite in, in a lot of industries. So they've got a bit in the bottom of this particular client's email about mental health and where you can go internally for support, but also where you can go externally for support. And a lot of employers nowadays have a, a, the pay for an external service to whom you can talk confidentially. And I, I literally did go, damn it. I, know, I knew back then. My employer had one of those back then. I didn't need to go to HR like I tried to do. I didn't need to go to internal occupational health like I tried to do and ask for help, but not really ask for help because I was embarrassed to ask for help which is why you think, well, actually, I, could, I can sort of understand why you might have missed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I could have found these guys in the middle of the night and just gone, I can't do this anymore. What do I do? Yeah. yeah.
2: And in, in terms of, like, if you were, you know, for example, you talk about your husband, you know, how he's incredibly supportive. If people, you know, have a partner or someone in their life that they are, concerned might be heading in that direction or even just suffering a horrific amount of stress that you think you know you you should take it easy I mean what's your advice to them in terms of how to approach that because a lot of people it sounds like you are very strong and very defiant and very much like do you know what I'm coping I'm fine I'm dealing with this and a lot of people might think, "Oh, I don't want to say anything because you know you you're going to say- might bite my head off." Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you think people can can support others, e- even if it's a colleague, even if it's not necessarily someone that you live with or family member?
3: Again, hard to say because everybody's different. But mm-hmm. I think some of the things that that you hear all the time are genuinely true. That you okay. And you know what? I'm not okay. Do you want to go for a chat? Because sometimes I would probably have opened up to somebody who said, actually, you know what? Can we go for a chat? Because I'm not really feeling very great about this project. Yeah. Even if that was a complete fib.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And let's have a coffee. And and because almost what I'd have started to do at that point was share what I felt in order that they didn't feel alone. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's just be there but be quiet that i'll hold your hand and sit here with you for as long as you want
1: yeah
3: is is enough and actually interestingly isn't it funny all of this conversation we've had now is the first time i've started to well up and that's because that's what the the colleague who's now a very close friend who brought me home did promised myself i wouldn't cry oh she sat and she held my hand yeah that's all you need that's what she did that was what she did she didn't know what else to do Mm. but that's what she did she didn't walk away she didn't be embarrassed she didn't not do something because she felt that she would feel uncomfortable doing it she sucked up all of that and she sat with me all afternoon while I looked into space. For she knew, and she refused to leave. She could have dropped me in the door, handed me the house keys, and gone home, mm. gone back to work. She didn't. You know, it's that person you see sitting, sitting on the platform. <clears throat> they're right that that's odd behavior are you all right and sometimes it's even they just go and sit down next to them you don't need to know you don't need to say anything just need to be there
1: I think people are so scared of getting it wrong as well you know oh I'm not a trained counselor or a psychologist or like you're saying it, it doesn't matter just that active listening just don't don't say anything back just take it in and absorb and like you said just holding hand or you know, and that rule of thumb I've always asked twice. You know, how are you? No, really, you know, everything, everything okay? How right. you doing? You know, okay. asking twice to really hit home that it's not just a courtesy. Oh, how you doing? It's you're actually. You know, are you okay? Yeah.
3: I mean, um, I, I quite often say to people the, the regardless of your of your 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 background, the 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 enmeshed. British culture per se that we all get sucked into regardless of where we've come from regardless of what 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 country of origin might have been to bring us here what cultural background to bring us here we all do the same thing fundamentally which is how are you Mm. yeah I'm all right but yeah I'm all right could mean anything from I've just won a million pounds on the lottery to my leg has just unexpectedly dropped off I literally do mean it on that (laughs) spectrum
2: it's such a British thing daughter response isn't it yeah yeah yeah, I'm all right stay away from me stay away from me Vicky actually texted me the other day and said, at the risk of being really annoying and a massive pain in the ass, actually, are you all right? And it was that humour element of it that was just like, you know, not wanting to just keep going, are you, okay? Are you okay, you okay? Know, okay. And it was that, look, I, look, I'm still here. I know I'm being really annoying, but seriously, just I'm here if you need me. And I think actually that takes... The sort of, like you say, because people are so worried about getting it wrong and saying, well, are you all right? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. It's that gentle pushing, maybe a bit of humour to make someone feel more relaxed. And and you quite often find that people will say, I'm here if you need
3: me. Yeah. Now, actually, I'm here if you need me is a double edged sword, because I probably do need you. But I may not be able to articulate that I do. And I may not be able to put the pressure. I may not feel that I'm able to ask or you know any one of those things it is almost if you feel (laughs) somebody's going past literally with a hand on their horn (laughs) Um, if you feel that somebody might need you just do it whatever it is you feel they might need if that's turn up on their doorstep at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning with a box of chocolates and two coffees in your hand Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they can only
3: say sod off I'm busy yeah but they probably won't yeah Mm -hmm. Because and I it's was changing there. that
1: to a question as well. It's, do you need anything? Not. I'm here if you need anything. But yeah. do you need anything? anything?
3: Yeah. What do you need? What I will do for you. you. Yeah. It, yeah. Because the the call if you need anything makes you feel better, but puts everything mm-hmm. on them, and they are probably not the person in the position to be making those mm-hmm. decisions.
0: Absolutely. Um, I know I wasn't.
3: Yeah. But, you know. I mean, I couldn't have ordered shopping online. I don't, wouldn't have been able to do that. Wouldn't have been able to go to a shop and get food. Wouldn't have been able to do any of those sorts of things.
0: Mm. It,
3: it literally was life in and of itself was all too much. All of a sudden, everything mm. from the basics to the, to the, you know, um, one of the therapists that they said was go out for a walk. And actually that is, that's really good. You know, go out, be in the moment, look at birds, look at trees, you know, it, 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 you don't need to think about anything. Just look at stuff um but the number of times I would walk along and then suddenly think how did I get here and not have remembered you know the last half a mile um I mean fortunately around here you can walk on paths off the roads because otherwise I'm sure I'd have ended up under a under a bus by accident not on purpose but just like hey I'm just walking here with my brain totally totally Mm -hmm. somewhere else um but yeah all those types of things but genuinely I would say if you if you are starting to think i need help you've got to ask for it and if you think somebody needs help don't just don't just do that i'm here if you need me get in there if you can and help them even if that's just sitting there in silence because you never know when that might make the difference between somebody making a decision yeah that that they're not actually they don't really mean but they're not you know like i said too many
2: dogs are barking yeah and it's the only way to get it to stop. um yeah. i think um i think probably vicky I, I don't know if you have any any other questions but i guess my i could i could genuinely sit here yeah. and talk about this all day. um i guess my probably my final question is you've talked about higher education offering you know being very good at offering those external mental health services, but not every employer has that. And there's obviously, of course, people who may be self-employed or very small businesses that may be struggling through COVID and lack of business and things like that that don't readily have those resources available. Is there anywhere that you would suggest, any maybe helplines or websites that people might be able to access that think... You know, this is a good place to start for you if you can't access counselling, if you can't afford that or wait too long on the NHS. Is there anywhere that you would signpost people to?
3: There'll probably be a number of places. I'd said to Vicky, you know, the ones that I used back then probably aren't, you know, really around so much. But I mean, certainly some of the big charities here about like Mind, etc. They would There's a lot of resources on there. To help you to to make you think about you know your mental well being your your general emotional well being what you can do to to support yourself and also where to go in in crisis and I think they actually also have a crisis helpline as well okay. and actually another interesting one that a lot of people for some reason I I don't quite understand when you say the Samaritans there just seems to be a bit of a
2: oh no can't call the Samaritan people automatically think suicide yeah that's that's the
3: they're wonderful yeah and you know what you don't have to be thinking about suicide to call them because actually they would rather you called them before you got that far so that they could support you and help you that's what they're there for you know and they are totally non-judgmental I've called them that's how I know um and that's the first time I've ever actually said that out loud (laughs) um they're totally non-judgmental they're, they're, they're lovely um just pick up the phone and call you will not regret doing it there are many other things you will regret if you don't you know you i look to be very together or at least i hope so i mean i could look like a complete person on this call but I, I look to be very together I've, I've re- rebuilt a career I, I love what I do but I'm not I'm not broken but I'm not fixed if you see what I mean
0: mm-hmm. some
3: days the dogs bark quiet some days they bark loud and what I now know how to do is how to to deal with that how to factor that dealing with my mental health into my everyday life. It, it's not a thing you only think about when it's in crisis. It's a thing you think about your mental health and your family's mental health and, and all the time because you sh- because we should mm. we should. Yeah. no it shouldn't be something we sweep under the carpet. It, you wouldn't you wouldn't sit and ignore a bleeding cup. No. Why, why would we as a so we need to stop as a society thinking that turning around and saying no, I am not okay. Isn't okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I ha- you know, it, it, is, it is the one thing that I would say I've learned. Mm. It's okay to say I'm not okay. And I'm not okay. And I will, I will, but I'm judging that against who I used to be, against that standard of what was supposed to be
0: mm.
3: okay by society standards. No, I'm not okay. But actually, you know what? I'm better than okay. Mm. Because I look after my mental health. I appreciate that some days the dogs bark loud and some days they bark quiet. And, and I, I cope with that. And it hasn't stopped me doing other things. It hasn't been the, the end. It hasn't been the defining. Actually, I say that it has been a defining moment in my life, Mm. but it isn't the defining moment in my life. Mm. And, 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 If even one person listens to me saying that and thinks, you know what, I can do that too, then that for me is the same pleasure and satisfaction that I get from seeing a a, a kid graduate having come from a rubbish background and having worked their socks off and knowing that they're going to go on and Mm -hmm. be whatever they want to be. That's the thing. And... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. it's been really interesting talking to you guys because actually you don't sort of know what people want to know Mm. you don't you're only talking about your own experience I can't talk about anybody else's um but but it's powerful
1: I'll
3: I'll lay money that every single person every person has got mental health Mm. issues yeah and I think it's
1: I think it's important to remember that it doesn't define you much like you said you know it's it's not a defining moment and therefore you are not your mental health you are still whole you are still a person and you just happen to have this don't let it define you don't let it you know be that oh you know I'm so and so and I've got anxiety or I survived a mental breakdown it's it's something that happened that molded you into the person that you
3: are now yeah absolutely and you know what I like the person I am much better than I liked the person that I was back then because this person that I am now says, no, nah, I'm not doing that.
2: And it's having that awareness, isn't it? You sound so aware now of mm. your triggers and your capabilities of what you can do and actually what you won't do, not what you can't do, what you won't do. Won't do.
3: And that's actually that you are absolutely right. That is, that's a, a very defining thing for me. Mm. And it's one of the reasons I've not gone back into um, employment per se. So I work for myself um, as an independent in HE because what that gives me is that security teddy bear, for want of a better word. I hold on to that. No, I am the one that decides.
0: Mm.
3: And I am. If I don't like it, then it it doesn't get done. And if the client doesn't like it, that's fine. The client and I will part ways with a happy smile. Mm um and and that no that ability to say no is is huge um and and particularly for the youngsters coming up yeah you know I would say you've got to learn as soon as you can that no is not a bad thing to say
1: it, and it's a whole sentence yeah. I say this a lot to clients no. no is a whole sentence it's not no but is no. It, there's no you don't need to come up with a reason it's no you know I am protecting myself yeah. no
3: is what you're getting yeah yeah I mean I don't want to is a perfectly acceptable reason for saying yeah. no you don't yeah like you say you don't have to say oh but the, you know there is you don't have to justify it to any other bugger excuse my mm. no. <laughs> and actually for me just so that everybody knows it's watching this that's really polite for me <laughs> I've been on my absolute best behaviorist terms and language I've got a little post-it note don't swear. Don't swear. <laughs>
1: I it's that that from <laughs> I think now. <laughs> oh, cares. honestly, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. And, you know, we like to pride ourselves on strong team, you know, presenting things very raw um, and talking about things that are difficult to talk about. And I cannot thank you enough for your openness and right yeah it's it's been wonderful having you on strong tea it really has thank
3: you it's actually been uh, given the topic of of, uh, under consideration the word's an odd one but it's actually been fun it's been (laughs) it's been lovely to to talk to you um it it's been good for me because actually talking about your mental health is good and if it helps like i say a single other person then actually you know what i'll go on with with my life and Count that as one of my proud moments. So, that was my first kitten.
2: <laughs> and the Thursday, the 3rd of February, is Time to Talk Day, which is all about mental health awareness. And I think it's probably a good thing to say, putting it out there don't just talk on one day of the year, just no, actually be aware day. of the people around you and yourself, and just ask and ask twice. Yeah. Thank you so thank much, you. Kez. I can't thank you enough. It's been great. Yeah
3: absolute oh, thank pleasure you. thank you for inviting me
1: thanks and thanks for um, everyone for joining and us for the tea. Um, oh. yeah and our tea yes, <laughs> yes. or tea <laughs> and we'll see you on the next episode of strong tea
2: certainly will. <laughs> bye now